Kia ora, I'm Katie Harris. It's February 8th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Aotearoa's model for stubbing out cigarette use became world-renowned in 2022 when the government passed legislation banning the sale of tobacco to anyone born after January 2009. However, some fear that that progress has all gone up in smoke after the coalition government announced late last year that it would repeal the smoke-free laws. The plan was labelled as completely backwards by some public health experts at the time, and in the months since, more controversy has followed. Today on the front page, Herald Deputy Political Editor Thomas Coughlin joins us to unpack the new government's plan for a smoke-free future and why it's been so contentious. Thomas, can you remind us what the Labour government did when it introduced the smoke-free legislation? Yes, so uh, Labour had a big smoke-free agenda. It amended our existing smoke-free legislation, which we've had for some time, to do three things. So it would create a smoke-free generation, which means uh, that tobacco couldn't be sold legally to anyone who was born on or after the 1st of January 2009. Uh, So it would basically gradually ban tobacco. It would reduce the number of retailers around the country that would be able to sell tobacco. So it would be reduced to about a tenth of the number that existed. So there are about 6,000 retailers now who can sell tobacco, and the legislation would have required a maximum of 600 tobacco retailers. And the third thing was it would reduce the amount of nicotine uh, that would be allowed in cigarettes. Yeah, and I remember this at the time because it made headlines all across the world. And another thing that made headlines across the world was actually when the new government was sworn in late last year and they announced a repeal of that legislation. Do you know if there was a specific reasoning behind this? Well, all all three parties opposed it. ACT and National were in Parliament and voted against it. New Zealand First has always opposed the more stringent anti-smoking measures. Uh, In the last government, they triggered a very rare um, agree-to-disagree provision when Labour hiked tobacco excise. So I think, you know, when it came to coalition negotiations, the three parties put that into practice and agreed to bin it. National supported in Parliament. The only part of the smoke-free changes they supported was lowering the nicotine content of cigarettes. They opposed the smoke-free generation and the reduction in tobacco retailers because they believed it would contribute to crime. As we see at the moment, a lot of people stealing cigarettes because packets of cigarettes have become incredibly valuable to sell on the black market. And what will the impact actually be of this proposed repeal? I guess we don't know that yet, um, but it will it will mean uh, that the smoke-free generation goes and it will also mean that the cap on retailers will go. We actually haven't seen legislation. The legislation needs to be introduced in the first 100 days as part of the 100-day plan. Um, so we'll, we'll see that legislation in the next parliamentary sitting block, I'm guessing, which is the next four weeks starting on next Tuesday. Yeah, and prior to Christmas, this proposal copped a lot of flack from health experts, doctors and opposition party members. I imagine that members of the coalition government probably wanted to put it behind them, but it's again been in the headlines due to Associate Health Minister Casey Costello. Can you explain a little bit about the recent saga? So this bill should really sit with National. National has the health minister, um, Shane Ritty. It did sit with him before Christmas. So Shane Ritty uh, managed to get the tobacco uh, parts of his portfolio delegated to Casey Costello, a New Zealand First Minister, basically implying that he certainly didn't want to deal with them and hinting very strongly that this was very much New Zealand First's agenda rather than, rather than Nationals. 
So he managed to get that over the line very quickly, which did suggest, you know, we don't have anyone coming out and saying this, uh, frankly, but it suggests pretty strongly that National wanted to rub its hand, uh, wash its hands of, of this idea. Now, Casey Costello herself has gotten into a lot of trouble this year because uh, RNZ's um, investigative journalist Guy Nespina has found a document which saw that Costello had sought advice on um, freezing the increase in tobacco excise. Tobacco excise every year goes up by the inflation rate just to keep the sort of penalty that you pay for smoking tobacco the same in real terms. The proposal was to freeze it so that it would stay the same and, and cigarettes would become cheaper in real terms. But when, when he put that to Costello, she said that she hadn't um, looked at the idea at all. She said, quote, I've had no discussions on that at all. Like, it's not even something I've specifically sought advice on. I haven't looked at a freeze on the excise at all. But in subsequent stories, and actually in that same story, it looks very much like she did specifically ask for that advice. She circled something which asked for her officials to tender her that advice, or someone circled that question which asked for that advice. And then a subsequent story revealed another document which were notes that went to the health ministry, which appear to be from Costello, which asked for sort of more advice on tobacco and included a bunch of lines um, which have proved quite controversial, like comparing nicotine to caffeine and things like that. But Costello has actually denied that as well. She said, they were not my proposals or notes. They were not things I had written. And it is misleading and wrong to characterize them in that way. This is general information I provided to officials, and I'm sure they can verify this. But the document itself said, uh, I'll quote this, freeze existing rates on smoked tobacco for three years starting 31 December 2023. So we've got this sort of interesting uh, situation here where we've got documents that appear to be pointing towards one thing and comments from the minister which appear to be pointing to another thing. She is determined to lower smoking rates now on amongst the 6.8% of daily smokers. And I, yeah, she's asking for a range of advice as a new minister. I'm not sure who put it on my desk, um, there's, you know, we've got staff, it was just extracting a whole lot of ideas. Off the back of that, some critics, and even a politician I saw, were making some allegations that there may potentially be links between the government and the tobacco industry. What do you make of those accusations, and are they fair? There are a few links. So the ones that have been brought up are Costello herself being formerly of the Taxpayers' Union, which has accepted funding in the past from tobacco companies. Chris Bishop, as very senior national MP, uh, was government relations, uh, which is Wellington for lobbying, for Philip Morris, a tobacco company. Christopher Luxon's sister-in-law uh, currently works for a tobacco company. So there are links, certainly. New Zealand's a very small place, and it is very common for people who are in Parliament or who have formerly worked in Parliament to work in government relations slash lobbying. And so, you know, the, the Labour Party, the Greens, they have connections with, I'm not sure, tobacco, uh, to be honest, but things like gambling, there is occasionally a bit of alcohol lobbying. But there are connections between parties and lobbying of all kinds. So... I'm not sure that, that this is quite the smoking gun that, that it would appear to be, simply because the connections between the beehive and lobbying are very deep and long-standing. But certainly the opposition is, is weaponising those connections to make the case that there perhaps is something untoward going on here. There hasn't really been any evidence that money or lobbying has played a part, but the connections are certainly there. Yeah, I think as a layperson outside of Wellington, sometimes hearing these connections can be quite shocking, but 
is it more so just the nature of the game of politics that often the people that are close to you that you know will be working within that realm? Yes, I often like people who work close to you have done that job before or people who have worked with you go into that job. There is a revolving door problem in Wellington. I mean, we had this debate about lobbying last year uh, in relation to another guy in Espinar story, and, and there certainly are problems in terms of transparency and disclosure um, and that sort of thing. I guess the, the main point is that this is not a unique situation. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but it's, it isn't a unique situation. I think the other issue here as well is that you know, the tobacco industry needs to, I suppose, own the fact that of all the companies that have, of all the industries that has sought to lobby governments throughout history, it has a uniquely shady past. And we know from, you know, our lawsuits in the 80s and 90s in, in the United States that the tobacco industry for a long time knew the dangers of, of its products and sought to keep the information about the dangers of its products to people secret. So they've only really got themselves to blame uh, for the fact that no one trusts them. And there's plenty of historical evidence for why you shouldn't trust them. But every political party has connections to lobbying, including lobbying for things that a lot of people consider societal ills. Do you think that this proposed rollback will be damaging for the coalition government? Yes, I do, actually. Um, Smoking rates are really low in New Zealand. Most people don't smoke, and it would appear that most people don't like smoking. The government has issues at the moment about being obsessed with things that no one really cares about. You know, it is spending a lot of time talking about smoking. It's spending a lot of time talking about redefining the treaty. Uh, It's spending a lot of time talking about the WHO and these other culture war issues. I would put it to you that I think it's very unlikely that a large number of people went to the ballot box in October thinking, top on my agenda is to redefine the treaty, bring back cigarettes, and to, you know, give the WHO a bloody nose. You know, that the election was very clearly fought on issues like the cost of living, reducing inflation, tax cuts, that sort of thing. And the government isn't talking about those things at the moment. It's talking about stuff like this. Most people don't smoke. The vast majority of people don't smoke. Most people couldn't care less about smoking. And I think most people would rather that their children didn't smoke. And now there are some issues around crime, of course. But I don't think the relationship to cigarette smoking and crime is strong enough for this to be top of the government's agenda. I think that it does show a bit of a weakness in this government for really singling, honing in on issues that people care about and dominating the agenda on on, on those issues. The government has a tendency that it needs to correct for getting distracted with minor issues that no one cares about. Back to Costello, what do you make of her handling of this crisis? Well, she's been lucky. The Labour has called for a sacking. That's pretty rare. Like when you're the major party of government, you tend to make sure that you've got your ducks in a row before you've called for someone to lose their job. So Aisha Viral uh, has called for the sacking. I don't think she will go. Firstly, she hasn't broken any laws, so it's not quite the level where you would go. The other thing as well is that she's a minister from a minor party, which means that it's harder for Christopher Luxon to just sack her because Christopher Luxon has to pick up the phone to Winston Peters and say, I want to sack one of your ministers. And we know from the past that people like Jacinda Ardern, when government with with New Zealand First, found that very difficult to the point where they didn't actually do it. It is much harder to to sort of reach into the New Zealand First side of the government and say, right, you've got to go. You don't want to anger your coalition partner, especially this early in your government. So I think she's probably safe for now. It's certainly been a learning experience for her and all other ministers to make sure that you get your facts straight and to be completely transparent about what you're doing uh, when you're asked about it. Because if she had been straight on these stories, they would have been much less interesting than they are. 
what we have is a minister contradicting their own documents, which is a much more salacious thing to be talking about than a minister, you know, seeking advice, albeit advice on something that I think a lot of people would disagree with. So certainly I think she needs to be, and all ministers need to be pretty clear when they're doing their paperwork of what they're actually doing and the paper trail that they're leaving. She says that the tobacco industry in New Zealand is on its knees. How can you be a Minister of Health when you are mostly concerned about the health of the tobacco industry? And internationally, we're seeing headlines reflect the fact that we are a global embarrassment for rolling back these laws. Has the government proposed anything to limit smoking? Not so far, um, but they are committed to the smoke-free 2025 goal, which is to reduce smoking levels across all population groups to less than 5%. So, I mean, we've only got a year to go, so we'll see whether they make it that far. But they're committed to the goal, and uh, in, in opposition, National said it was, um, it was supportive of those nicotine reductions. So when we see the legislation, and we'll see it soon, um, it'll be interesting to see whether there's anything there to actually hit those goals. Late last year, New Zealand imposed new legislation, meaning disposable vapes can no longer be sold unless they followed a set of new rules. And some of these rules included things like nicotine limits and child safety features. And I do note that recently the UK has indicated they too want to implement similar bans. Has the coalition government said they want to do anything on the vape front? National in particular has been quite supportive of the idea of vaping as a smoking cessation tool. I mean, they were also in opposition. Uh, they were also quite critical of the proliferation of vape shops and, and the like, um, particularly around uh, areas where there might be schools. But they're quite keen to use vaping as a smoking cessation tool. So we might see some more work in, in that area. Very early days still. We've had a long sort of summer break where not a lot happened, despite the government telling us that lots of stuff was happening. I don't think it actually was. Still plenty of pictures of ministers enjoying their summer holidays um, on Instagram. So I don't think... <laughs> I don't think they were working the whole summer holiday, so we're really only in the first few weeks of this government, still the first couple of months, really. So I think we, we might see some more action on that soon. Yeah, I have seen things overseas and heard discussions from people about limiting the flavours of vapes that may interest younger people. Is that something you could see on the table here? I don't think so. The former government looked at that and reduced the number of flavours that bulk standard retailers could sell and meant that only specific vape shops, which are sort of more heavily regulated, could sell flavoured vapes. I don't think um, the new government would look to roll that back just yet, but I could be wrong. And Thomas, just finally, is there something Prime Minister Christopher Luxon can do to limit the damage and the blowback from the smoke-free legislation backstep? When governments um, make controversial calls like this, they do try to pair it with a you know spoonful of sugar. I wouldn't be surprised to see some other smoke-free measures go in to replace what has been repealed. Obviously, the government is still committed to that target, so they will need something there to supplement it. So, yes, maybe there'll be action on vapes. The nicotine stuff might stick around. They will try to sort of, and you can see this, Christopher Luxon saying this in the House. He's saying, look, we're not pro-smoking. We're not trying to get people to smoke. We just want to go about it a different way. Obviously, what he's not saying is that the different way that the government might be going down is probably far less effective than what was in legislation. But he does need something to point to to say, look, we're not pro-smoking. We're doing this it's not what the former government was doing, but it's not nothing either. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a bit of a bait and switch sort of tactic that goes on. I also think in the next few weeks, as the government sort of gets back to work post Waitangi, the political year has officially begun. The government is going to have to start talking about other stuff like tax cuts, things that people really did vote on. So I think it's possibly a case as well of the new government kind of overwhelming people's bandwidth for political discussion by moving the subject on to something else. 
Thanks for joining us, Thomas. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Ethan Sills, Paddy Fox is the sound engineer, I'm Katie Harris. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts and tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.